back. We better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going. We don't need roads. extreme. time machine this is this is where the big boys play i guess is what wcw used to say so this is topical right right very good yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're just gonna the, the whole podcast is just gonna be us like projecting images of lex luger and hulk hogan up on buildings Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> no no that's not what this podcast is <laughs> uh if if you guys are tuning in, it's because, like us, you're, you're professional wrestling fans, and this podcast kind of got its start uh, with wanting to go back and watch watching all of the ridiculous stuff that happened in the 1990s. And folks, if, if you're listening to this, I'm going to give you a heads up on our very debut episode. There's a lot of ridiculous stuff in the 90s. No, not at all. There's, like, nothing crazy. No, nothing no, crazy at all. No weird gimmicks or anything like that. Not not at all. <laughs> not in the 90s. Those were serious times. <laughs> so, so if you're listening to this, grab yourself a, a bag of Butterfinger BBs and put on your Zubas, right? That's, a, that's the parachute pants, I think, from the 90s. Zubas? I feel like. 
Zumbas? Zubaz. Zubaz. Yeah, I, with your fanny pack. Yeah, with your fanny pack. You know, uh, listen to some kid and play. Uh, you know, get ready because we're gonna we're gonna jump into the nineties. We're gonna jump around, jump, jump, jump around, and it'll be it'll be a fun time. So, uh, we're starting with January of nineteen ninety five, which seems about as good a place as any to start. And before we before we jump into actually talking about what happened during that month, during that year, we want to kind of go through a, a, an introduction of who we are, you know, what we love about wrestling, how we got into wrestling, and and let you guys get a chance to, to know us. So, uh, Leah, yep. let's. I, I already know about me. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Let's let's start with you. How did you get into professional wrestling? Well, early early on, my it would be Hogan brought me to wrestling because we'd see him on TV advertising, you know, all his terrible movies in the eighties, and uh, then okay, I saw well, Undertaker debut, and I kind of got like, oh wait, this is actually cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stop you right there. Okay. It's a, no, it's a known fact Hulk Hogan never did a bad movie. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> they, they, they wouldn't call him Hollywood Hogan if he had done bad movies, right? Uh, <laughs> sure, sure. I, I feel like I feel like that's that's the case. It's it's possible. Maybe they're good, and I just didn't realize it. Look, Santa <laughs> with muscles swept the Oscars. <laughs> the year it debuted that's that's a fact uh-huh <laughs> so alternate timeline the... perhaps <laughs> yeah yeah exactly santa with muscles and i think it was like the fourth or fifth three ninjas movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something something death mountain i think was is he, what it was called what was the one where he, was he like a babysitter or something I don't know. There's all sorts of weird, weird movies like, with him and little yeah. kids. <laughs> so you got into wrestling with with Hulk Hogan and his his terribly awesome movies. Yep. And yep. then, and then the Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. He kind of solidified my my like like why I was there. I was kind of like, oh, this guy is really cool. And then I got out of it for a long time and came back in like 2004. And Jericho got me back into it. And I've kind of been basically addicted since then, if you <laughs> if you can say that. <laughs> Just watch all the wrestling that I can all the time. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so I guess I guess uh, some other questions just to kind of like build on that. How old were you when you when you kind of first started getting into it with with like the Undertaker and Hogan? Oh, like just to man. give everybody kind of like a frame of reference. Uh, I had to have been around like ninety one. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, how old would I have been? <laughs> like eight or nine, somewhere in there. Eight or nine. Okay. I forget. Okay. <laughs> I can do math. <laughs> math. Math is overrated. <laughs> just ask Scott Steiner. Oh, he's so good at it though. He's he's the best at it. I mean, I would want him as a math teacher for sure. 
Maybe that's where I learned how to do math. <laughs> maybe maybe that's uh, maybe that should be a new gimmick, like Scott Steiner as a math teacher, but he's not. His name isn't Scott Steiner. It's Math Striker. Ah, uh, I get it. Puns. <laughs> Terrible. Look, if you guys if you guys are listening to this for puns, then this is the right podcast. Because wrestling related puns are great. <laughs> so okay, so ninety one you're about eight or nine. That makes me feel like a wee little baby because I was only about three or four. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, okay, so you got into, into Undertaker and Hogan. Do you remember anything, like, big around that time that really was, like, a, a big moment for you around then? Honestly, I don't remember much, but it was, it was Taker's, like, TV debut. It was right after his pay-per-view debut. Okay, at Survivor Series, sure. So it was, like, the very first time, like, anybody was seeing him that couldn't afford the pay-per-view, so it was just kind of, like... Yeah. I mean, he was magical, really. Yeah. Like it was just like like it, it was just one of those moments where it was just like, oh yeah, okay. Like now I get it. It's like <laughs> Hogan was kind of meh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But okay, I was I was like I was a dark little kid. I liked horror movies and stuff, you know. <laughs> so, so you're like you were like eight or nine going through your goth phase, just like. Pretty much, okay. yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of how I was. <laughs> Watching The Undertaker come out, suddenly, like, like a typo negative cover of Dreamweaver comes on, and you're just like, this is it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Which, by the way, a typo negative cover of Dreamweaver would be awesome. Somebody needs to make that happen. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you, you got into, into Chris Jericho in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh... What yeah, it's always like one wrestler that brings me in, and then it's I'm just like, just one. yeah, and I get sucked in by everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about Jericho kind of sucked you in around that time? It was very different from like what I had been used to seeing. Like he's very smart about it, and was less like he still had a gimmick, but it was less over the top gimmicky. Like obviously in the the late '80s, early '90s, it was all very. Yeah. silly gimmicks. I never saw WCW, so I never saw more, like, normal people wrestle, so it kind of had that appeal, but he was still kind of cartoony, because he's that's just how Jericho is. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe Chris Jericho as not so over the top. Right, right, but, I mean, like, for, like, his gimmick at the time was just, like, he had a haircut and sparkly yeah. pants. Like, that was it. <laughs> that was it. And now it's like I, I aspire to be his level of extra. I mean, coming to the ring in an LED jacket, yeah, and a, and a scarf. I mean, that's that's a he's the biggest diva on the roster. Yeah, yeah, he, he's brilliant. He knows exactly what he's doing at all times. <laughs> Very cool. And all right, so that's that's good to know. And then you and I actually met at uh, at a wrestling event. Yep. We met uh, earlier this year, uh, in August, actually, uh, on my birthday. Oh, was, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We got to, uh, uh, for those, you know, just tuning in or just kind of getting to know us for the first time, 
uh, Leith and I and, and a couple of other people, we got to participate in uh, Excellence Professional Wrestling in what city was it? It was... Sellersville. Sellersville. That's where they are every month. Yeah, which is which is almost New York. It's way, way out in Pennsylvania. And uh, we got to do this, this fandomonium event where we got to be ring announcers. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. We, we did and, pretty well. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's how I probably uh, found out you had to have good taste in wrestling because I found out through this, uh, through Chikara, and you seemed like a, like a pretty good Chikara fan, pretty big Chikara fan. Yeah. Yeah, I've been yeah. following them since 2008. Nice. About somewhere in there. I, I started going to shows in, like, 2010. Okay. But I've been Very... watching, like, passing around DVDs. <laughs> Trading the tapes. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube videos, that kind of thing. We, I, I just got into Chikara really about, like, last year or so, almost about a year ago. Uh, I, I had heard about it. Uh, one of my friends, uh, uh, Michael Melkor, from the uh, Panels on Pages uh, podcast wrestling podcast, he was uh, on there talking about Shakara, talking about the uh, the whole, I think, the Ashes storyline. Right, At right. one point, when they were getting ready to come back. Okay. And they were talking about, like, the spinning back fist to the future and doing all this time travel stuff. And I'm sitting there listening to him talk about this. And myself as, like, a big, like, comic book fan and and wrestling fan and just all-around nerd, I'm sitting here listening to him talk about this. And I'm like, "This this is wrestling. This is it. This is great. And I remember uh, me and my wife had just started, I think, kind of dating around that time. And we watched a little bit of one event. We watched, uh, we got to see Jervis Cottonbelly. Okay. Who who was great. And Jervis was what kind of sold me, like, period, on Shakara. It's just like, okay, I love this guy. And uh, I'm trying to remember the other guy's name. His name was Smooth Sailing Something. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Dalton Castle now. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah, it was just it was so it was so much fun. So we've kind of been watching. Uh, we we signed up for the Chikaratopia like last year, and we've been kind of really getting into it. We started with uh, season I think sixteen, right? Okay. Uh, right around that time, right around September or October, and we watched that, and we're through season seventeen, and we're working our way through season eighteen, and it's just it's so much fun. Yeah, it's a good it's a good promotion. I mean, it's very very comic booky, and they do a lot of those like comedic matches. And I mean, Excellence has a similar feel as well. They use a lot of the same people in that too. Yeah, I think I think my favorite highlight thus far of uh, season eighteen was Ultramantis Black versus Grado, and they used Doritos as a foreign object. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to spoil it for the listeners, but if you get a chance, you should all check out Shakara. I, I highly endorse that. So, uh, so that's that's how you got into wrestling, and I, I take it you've been kind of following it since 2004. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we stopped for a little bit around like 2007 during the whole Cena era. 
we took a break from WWE, but we stuck with, like, that's when we really started watching Chikar and the indie stuff, so. It never really stopped, I just transitioned, I guess. <laughs> Switched programs. Yeah. Watching, the thing about watching WWE in the last couple of years has been, and it's it's sort of the same thing sometimes being a comic book nerd, but it's kind of like being in, a, in an abusive relationship. It's it's really weird and complicated because it's like, you'll have, you'll have your favorites, right? Like Dean Ambrose or Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins or, or AJ Styles. You, you have your favorites and you're watching these guys and they're, they're getting like a decent push. And then they get put into a match with somebody like, like Cena or Orton or Reigns and their momentum just like stalls. Yeah. The booking has been like, I don't know if it's the booking or creative or, or what, because it's like, it's one of those, like, I'm not there, so I can't really say, but it, everything feels a little off. Like, yeah. Not, they have characters like Bray Wyatt and stuff who's been losing since he started, so it's kind of like, what's the point of his character? Like, I right. don't understand. <laughs> like, you have new talent, you kind of want to get them ready to take over for these guys that are retiring, but they don't seem to do that. Right, and it's so, it's so weird, like watching I, I think a really good example of that is watching the bray wyatt randy orton wrestlemania match mm-hmm. where it's like the the whole build-up to this match was wyatt is supposed to be like the new face of fear and he's got all this he's got crazy magic hillbilly powers right they, they do the match and it's like the boat ride from the from the original willy wonka movie he's doing all sorts of crazy hillbilly mountain magic supernatural stuff and then he loses yeah i mean that's that's just how it's been with him since day one yeah it's like it's, i feel like he should be building a stable or or something but like he it just has doesn't a stable. Happen. but they always like they take him away <laughs> yeah it's weird like, it's so understand. weird <laughs> So like I can't I can't blame you for taking a break from WWE cuz that's kind of what what the wife and I have done. Like I'll still sit and watch some stuff. I, I still watch like NXT. Okay. Uh, I'm actually kind of like behind on NXT. Uh but I like to give you an idea where I'm at in NXT, uh Sami Zayn and Samoa Joe are battling for the number 1 contendership. Oh dear. Yeah. That's pretty so, far back. <laughs> yeah, but it's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, no, NXT is a good product, and honestly, 205 is a good product, but nobody gives it a chance because it's on so late. I haven't gotten to 205 yet. It, it's but... really, I mean, it has good storytelling. It's got good matches. Every, it's got a lot I've of seen... my favorites, so I'm kind of biased, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen some stuff that looks really great, like the the PowerPoint presentations from who is it Drew Gulak, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't think of his name, but I think he's British and he has a mustache and he has umbrellas. That guy <laughs> and Rich Swan, yeah. And now that Enzo's on there, Enzo. I don't uh, know about Enzo. Oh, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Enzo. I'm not sure, but they got Tazawa, so. And, and Tony Nese. That guy's amazing. So, like, I, I can't I can't blame you for for transitioning from, like, like the WWE to Chikara, because you're right, it, it is kind of... Stuff has been kind of off for a while. 
So, uh, well, I guess we'll talk a little bit about about uh, myself and how I got into wrestling. Uh, story I told a couple times, uh, but how I got into wrestling is uh, I was born in '88, so I was kind of I was kind of around right when like not at the peak of Hulkamania, but kind of when it was a thing at least, right? Okay. So, so I was, I was big into wrestling as, as a little tyke. And, uh, I had, I had a lot of the, I think it was the LJN figures. A lot of the like non, non posable or non articulated like wrestling figures. And I had like one of the like big wrestling toy rings. Mm-hmm. And at some point I was probably like, uh, two or three I can't remember exactly how old I was uh at some point I fell down the flight of stairs that we had in our house and I landed on the wrestling ring like in a way that the turnbuckle like jammed into my ear or something I, I don't know Look, I don't know. I was really young, and it was a head injury. I, I don't know what people expect me to remember about that. <laughs> uh, the, the only thing that I do remember is waking up in the hospital with, like, you know, a wrap around my head and thinking I was so cool because I finally had, like, a do-rag like Hulk Hogan. Oh, my goodness. That's hilarious. Yeah. And, and I think it's it, it, in some family album or another, there's a picture of me in some kind of, like, ultimate warrior slash david bowie halloween costume okay i remember i remember all of my halloween costumes that i've ever gone as except for this one this one i don't remember at all but there is photographic evidence of it so after this traumatic head injury experience my mom put like the kibosh on wrestling in the household not allowed to watch wrestling none of that stuff and then i remember I remember being in like fourth or fifth grade, so about 96, 97. And while I wasn't watching wrestling, there was still a lot of wrestling in pop culture at that time. Like there would be kids at school doing like the DX chop. You, you would see, like I would remember going to uh, to the local Kmart and the local Kmart in our town had like a little like, uh, you know, like, counter up front where you could get like snacks you know pretzels slurpees that sort of stuff and they would sell like the wcw like memorabilia cups like it's goldberg it's sting you know oh, on a cup. Yeah. <laughs> so like i remember all that stuff and seeing it and not really knowing at all what it was and then about 2000 2001 uh, a cousin of mine got a wrestling game for his PlayStation the second Smackdown game and that got me back into it I wasn't I didn't know I wasn't actually watching wrestling but here we were playing Smackdown and I'm seeing I'm seeing the Undertaker right he's this I have no idea who he is beyond this big like bad biker dude in denim and he's covered in tattoos and he comes out on a motorcycle and there's some kind of like horror movie element to his entrance where all these like you have like three or four little girls and they're like are you scared and it's like oh this is awesome 
<laughs> so biker I'm taker. Just... Oh my goodness. Huh? <laughs> A biker taker. Biker taker was great. <laughs> so weird. So it was it was that that kind of drew me back in the undertaker specifically and since then i've been a huge undertaker fan a uh, a mark if you will pun completely intended oh uh, yeah i got it yeah <laughs> and and so i undertaker was really kind of my favorite for a really long time and i followed his career like from that point kind of onwards and uh, any more, you know, like like we like we mentioned, you know, I've kind of transitioned myself from from watching a lot of WWE to watching more Chikara, because it's like for me, wrestling is about storytelling, right? And the WWE walks this really fine line where it's like they never know if the fans are in on the joke or not. And I feel like that, that kind of keeps them from committing to some, to, to some form of storytelling or another, but like Chikara is, is really fun. You're kind of in on it, right? It, it feels like, okay, this is, this is fun. And this is like a comic book and this is great. It's like Batman from the sixties and power Rangers and wrestling. Right, yeah. It, and it's 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 just there's that. a little it, something for everybody. Yeah. Yep. I mean you have you All have different guys styles. Like, yeah. You you have guys like, like Space Monkey mm-hmm. who who's just so much fun. I mean, anytime that you can work a banana peel spot into a match, I'm there. And then you have like some of the more like serious storytelling stuff, like like season sixteen with the the Nas Maldoon and everything. Like there's there's a lot to it, and it never feels like you never feel silly watching it necessarily, because it's like they take it seriously in a way where it's like I'm trying to think of the best way to articulate this. Where it's like because they commit and they they treat it very, I mean they sell it well. Like I think another good example is I think uh, I think during season sixteen, Soldier Ant got like his antenna ripped off, right? Like off off his mask, mm-hmm. and they have the like they they start throwing up the double X, you know, like the the arms and the oh, X yeah, position. Oh yeah, yeah. And they get like the EMTs down there and everything, or you have like I think it's uh, I think it's season eighteen, a really early episode in season eighteen, where it's Des Peloton versus Los Ice Creams, mm-hmm. and they keep one of Los Ice Creams at bay with a hair dryer. Yeah, yeah, they they've been doing stuff like that since like way back when. Yeah, like it's it's so fun when they break that stuff out. Yeah, it's just it's great. It, it just it, there's something about the way they kind of commit to that sort of thing that's what makes it fun and that's what for me is is really great about the way they tell a story so I, I really that's what I really like about Shakara now so I guess let's talk about like why we're here 
January 1995. So the way the way we're going to do this, folks, is we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, just kind of what was happening, what were the big feuds at that time, and sort of hit some of the, the bullet points for each each promotion. And when I say each promotion, we're talking about the big three in the 90s. That's the WWF, ECW, and WCW. So sit down, grab a, grab a mug of Jolt, I guess, Jolt Cola, and <laughs> or no the 90s was surge That's, yeah yeah it had to be surge yeah it had to be surge so grab a <laughs> grab a mug of surge cola and we're gonna we're gonna chill out and talk about this so the wwf first i guess like the big feuds were you had there wasn't even really a main title feud i don't think um trying to think I mean, there there was kinda, not really. I mean, yeah, it was mostly it, because it was mostly everybody it, in the million dollar corporation against yeah. everybody else. <laughs> it was it was January of '95, so they were doing, you know, the the big pay per view was the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. So the big question was who's going to be the number one contender for WrestleMania. So. There was uh, there was Diesel versus uh, Hart versus Bret Hart at the Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. but there wasn't there wasn't like a lot of build up to it on TV. No, no, it was. I mean, I think Bret started off he was feuding with his brother. Yeah. So it was kind of yeah. like and like I mean Diesel was already kind of feuding with Michaels at this point, but it was like sort of hinted at but not really like in your face yet yeah it was it was kind of teased and the other big thing was bob backland oh god yeah oh backland <laughs> mr bob backland such a funny funny guy he's a he's an angry little man so so they were building towards brett versus diesel at the royal rumble and there was like you like you mentioned there was a lot of tension between uh brett nolan around this mm-hmm. time and uh shatner for some reason was involved yep of course why not promote because tech war yeah of course <laughs> so, look tech war is a very serious thing guys do not let them tear down our tech war monuments <laughs> so so they were promoting Tech War because that, that was the thing. Like, the WWF was like, hey, we're on USA and we got celebrities. Here's William Shatner. The kids still probably like Shatner. Yeah. I mean, he did fine. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't and bad for a, a celebrity. I, they had Super Dave Osborne on at one point, too. Yeah. Yeah, Super Dave. And Pam Anderson at the, at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. But, but you were right. A lot of the feuds uh, in January of 95 in the WWF were kind of built around the Million Dollar Corporation. Yes. Which yeah. would have been cool, and that also involved, like, another celebrity, Lawrence Taylor. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was and, a big one. And so we get, at the Royal Rumble, we've got a few matches with the Million Cop... The, the Million Dollar Corporation. We've got... 
uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka in the uh, WWF Tag Team Championship like finale. They were doing a tournament. Uh, so we had them versus uh, one, two, three kid and the two sports superstar, Bob Sparkplug Holly. Yeah, and, and they and, were just kind of, I felt like they were just filler because uh, smoking guns were out. Yeah, they, Th- and it's it's weird because it's like, it's the 90s, so every wrestler needs like a second occupation. Mm-hmm. Like outside of wrestling, and Bob Holly's gear looks like, it. it's race car themed, but it also looks like it was de- like designed specifically for a four-year-old. <laughs> like with the big yellow numbers. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they really did. Out of all the tag teams, like in in the group for that tournament, they felt the most like filler. And Cinderella story, they wind up beating the million dollar corporation, right? And and winning the tag team titles. And of course, again, this sets up uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. He's all upset. He gets out of the ring. Lawrence Taylor sitting in the front row, front row, like, "Hey, having a good time? I'm at the Royal Rumble. I'm a celebrity. Oh, here comes Bam Bam Bigelow, and Bam Bam Bigelow just pushes him in the face, and just like tries to assault him. Right, of course. I mean, and what, then, what else are you gonna do when you see a, a giant man in the the front row? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> And then we get, uh, and it is, it's it's really weird that a filler team like that would win. But, I mean, they, they do go on to lose the titles to the Smoking Guns the following night. Right, yeah, because I have, like, I don't know for sure, but I have a feeling it was originally supposed to be the Smoking Guns, but then, um, what's-his-face got injured, so they were kind of out of the tournament. Was it Bart or Billy? I think it was Bart. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure it was Bart was injured at a rodeo, so he couldn't be in the tournament. Mm. It's a, it's that it's that second job, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, what was he doing at a rodeo? Like, come on now. Yeah. You got important matches coming up. He wanted that belt buckle. <laughs> that's what he was? That's what he was after. That's that's what they give away at rodeos, right? Belt uh, buckles. Uh, sure. <laughs> Why I feel not? like it's belt buckles. If you're listening to this at home, know this. I do not have a doctorate in rodeoology. So so we get we get the million dollar corporation making it all the way to the tag team finals only to lose. Mm-hmm. We then get The Undertaker versus uh Bray Wyatt's dad. Erwin R. Scheister. Yep. He's also Bo Dallas's dad. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's no question that a those three are related, and b that that's I mean they they look so much alike. Like, yeah. It's, seriously. It's no wonder that they had to they had to book Bo Dallas the way they did, and cover Bray in like thirty years of swamp makeup to sell them as not. IRS's kid. Right. But we get we get IRS versus The Undertaker 
which I mean that's that's kind of been a continuing feud has been the Undertaker sort of versus you know Ted DiBiase and his goons that's kind of always been been a thing I feel like yeah I would say so around this time it seems to keep coming up yeah because it wasn't like it kind of started when the Undertaker kind of I mean that's how he got his debut was with the million dollar man and kind of turned on him so Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's a that's a pretty solid thing through the nineties up until almost uh, the million dollar man just leaves, uh, which, you know, at some point we'll get to. So we get, we get that match and undertaker wins, but then the newest member of the million dollar corporation or no, it wasn't, it wasn't cause he wasn't there yet. It was uh, King Kong Bundy who was not a new member, but just a member of the million dollar corporation comes down and squares off with The Undertaker to set up their WrestleMania match. Right. Well, yes. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. (laughs) Getting ahead of myself a little bit. All right. Yeah, they they set up, that sets up their WrestleMania match. And then that was kind of it for the Million Dollar Corporation at at the Royal Rumble. And it was... Uh, Quick side note, uh... IRS does steal the urn at the end of that. That yeah, that's uh So it's kind of like, uh-oh, like what's Undertaker going to do now? He's got yeah. no powers. The urn, the urn, man. You got to you got to keep control. You got to keep that like I don't know, maybe give it to somebody who's who can hold it better than Paul Bearer. <laughs> Apparently. He he was pretty clumsy with that thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of lot of distractions going on during that. The the druids kept interfering, which I I felt like was also weird that Ted DiBiase suddenly had druids for some reason, or that even IRS had druids. They they got money. They can turn people. I mean, it just seems like if anything, just have a bunch of guys in suits come out. Like that wouldn't have been as tricksy though. They had to trick the Undertaker. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the monks, the the druids just seemed very, very weird for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, of of all the things that don't make sense in that, that's that's the most nonsensical for me. But it's kind of, like, the thing I felt about, like, the Million Dollar Corporation is it was kind of weird to have this this kind of large heel stable have these high profile matches and not really get like a decisive victory in any of them right like 95 is the year the million dollar corporation kind of winds down a lot like there's no there's nothing that can be said about 95 that makes it a good year for the million dollar corporation yeah no they had i mean they were big in the storyline but that's about it yeah like Ted DiBiase, for all his money, couldn't hire one guy who could who could get a decisive victory. I guess who who wasn't Steve Austin, right? So we we had that, and then there was uh, there was the tuxedo match. Oh, uh, do we have to talk about? That? We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about that. That was I the worst. Know, I don't know who that was for, even. I felt like they were just being punished for some reason. Like, maybe they... Or maybe just to amuse Vince. I don't know. Like, he's like, this would be funny. Like, do it. Yeah, like... I'm the boss. Do it. Yeah. 
you want to get paid this week? Go put on a tuxedo and strip down another guy in a tuxedo. I mean, yeah, uh, that's got to be it. It's just to amuse Vince. It just feels like one of those where it's like, this is probably funny only to him. Like, if, if they were being punished, I can't imagine what Howard Finkel must have done. Right. Like, like, what do you do to get put into that position? Oh, my goodness. I feel like we need to look up the backstory, find out why why they had to do that. Why we had to be subjected to it. Right? So we get, we get that, and we get uh, Shawn Michaels on commentary almost for the whole month. Right. That was kind of nice. Yeah, which is pretty good. I I like Shawn Michaels on commentary. He's him and him and Vince really do have have a good back and forth. Mm Mhm. It was very Uh, entertaining, and they like yeah know what they're talking about, which is nice. Yeah, it was it was really it was really great, but it was also kind of kind of weird that Shawn Michaels gets like the whole month off, basically no matches or anything, right up until the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he nursing an injury? I thought he was. Or that just coming back. Been, that might have been the storyline, but it's like, I, I feel like mm-hmm. if he's also nursing an injury, then if it's a legit injury, then to me it doesn't make a lot of sense to have him enter as number one and win the Rumble. Because that's, that's an endurance test. Right. I can't that's quite remember. Does. I feel like I looked it up at some point, but... Yeah, I mean, he might have been. I don't know. Or maybe he's just coming back and they wanted to arrest him. I don't know. Yeah. But it was nice to hear him. <laughs> yeah. He, he very entertaining. Great. Yeah, he's great on commentary. And, and that's kind of one of, I think, like the highlights for that whole month is is Michael's on commentary. Uh, I mean, my favorite former wrestler on commentary is Dusty Rhodes. But Michael's on commentary is pretty great. Yeah, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to agree. Yeah. Dusty Rhodes on commentary is is solid. It's just it's a piece of fried gold to use an expression from one of my favorite movies. So we get we get Michaels on commentary, and then we get uh, Jim Cornette's kind of weird weird people. We get Mantar in January of ninety five. Ah, good old Mantar. <laughs> Me and my wife were cu- were uh, watching. I think the episode of Raw he was on, and we're just like, he looks like a human baked potato. Yeah, I could see that. I swear I had a costume like that, though, for dance back in the day, that like kind of like crushed velvet yeah. with the like, weird mirrors on it. It was very popular around the 90s, but for women in dance classes, yeah, <laughs> not so probably... much giant burly men in wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, not not so much in like hues of brown and with like char grill marks on them. Uh, I have to imagine. Yeah, yeah. I guess the thing about about Mantar is he comes to the ring and it looks like he should just have like a giant pat of butter like on his tummy. <laughs> oh my the, goodness! The, the best thing would be is you know you sell him as as the baked potato wrestler and you team him up with another like uh like cow themed wrestler and you build their tag team as meat and potatoes bam that's you're welcome wwe make make that tag team happen i'm surprised that didn't happen actually yeah especially with some of these gimmicks i mean 
so so much of the 90s was just like again every wrestler needs a second occupation so like i don't know why not let's have a baked potato wrestler the heck with it yeah that's true <laughs> i mean you had they, they you had, had like some really random characters like um sort of supernatural i don't even know like what was adam bomb he wasn't even supernatural his whole thing like, was like i'm from the apocalypse i really have no idea I mean, he was a good wrestler too. Like he was really good in yeah. the ring. But... He, he was he was all right. Like I think he came from. I think he started with the with Vince's failed like World Bodybuilding Federation. Okay. And then it was like, Yo, dog! I heard you like Fallout and many footballs. So weird. Yeah. So you had like you had like uh, like Adam Bomb, and you had guys like the Goon. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll we'll get to the goon at some point. That that does happen. Uh, you have Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Yeah, yeah. Although from from what I'm given to understand, he was he was actually a garbage man at one point. Okay. Uh, so so you have Duke the Dumpster Drossy. You have uh, we'll get to uh, uh, the pirate. They have one disabled guy on the roster who wears an eye patch, and what do they do? They stick them with a with with a pirate gimmick. Well, of course. I mean, at least at least when he goes to WCW, they have the good sense to make him not a pirate, right. which I feel like like is a step in the right direction. And then you have, I'm trying to think of other ridiculous gimmicks. It's like you said, you had Adam Bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I mean, still not sure what he's supposed to be. Glenn Jacobs. No. Mm-hmm. What? The, the dentist, Isaac Yankum. Oh, oh, yeah. That's later, though, right? That is that is later. That is coming up. Uh, I mean, just, just every every wrestler, like, you look at every wrestler on the roster, and almost every one of them had, like, a side, a side job. Like, you have, I mean, Undertaker's obviously a mortician. We already talked about, like, uh, like Bob Spark, Plug Holly. Uh, you have uh, Don't forget. Men on a Mission. Don't forget I Double mean, J. Double J, country music singer. Yeah, how yeah. could we forget? And his roadie. Could... Yeah, roadie. <laughs> I mean, who wants to be his baby tonight? <laughs> Show of hands. Oh, my God. That was a thing. That was a legitimate thing. And then you had... And, and Double J was debuting around this time, too. Yeah, I when... actually... I remember watching his debut and just... The second I saw his ring gear, I'm like, I what is this? Because <laughs> it's like they were like, oh, he's this singer back in like Nashville. He's a country music guy, and he comes out in whatever the heck kind of wrestling gear he wears, and just like, you gotta be kidding me! <laughs> like, absolutely uh, I mean, absurd. <laughs> we we want to talk about how Chris Jericho was is like the biggest diva on the roster, but it's like Jarrett kind of I feel like started that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at his 95, like, Royal Rumble entrance, and he's got, he's got light-up sunglasses. Yeah. And a light-up cowboy hat, like. So, ah. so over the top. Yeah. Hilarious. So, so you have, <laughs> you have Jeff Jarrett being a country music singer. You have uh, Dean Douglas, who will be a college collegiate dean of some sort. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I'm really kind of sad that like Dean Douglas's uh, finisher wasn't called double probation. 
when he was because that would have been great <laughs> like every wrestler on the on the roster in the 90s you could point to them and be like okay i know what their second job is yeah i mean you got we still had doink at this point too yeah oh doink is is there yeah <laughs> <laughs> what you don't like doink i don't like clowns they always, no, like, it's it's hard right. for me I to saw, watch I, doink yeah, I saw your tweet about seeing a clown in Target. Yeah, no, I froze like a like a big scaredy pants. It was like a deer in headlights until it passed me. So is it like all clowns or just like like what what kind of clowns is it? Like human ones? Like the cartoon <laughs> ones don't really bother me too much. But anyone that like looks like it's a real person with the makeup and stuff, all of them. <laughs> so, so like a dog clown, you're fine. It would be a little weird, but I would be like, like it wouldn't terrify me. Okay. And like it, it took me a lot of watching of Raw to get used to Doink, and all of his little Doinks. I don't remember what their names are. Dink. There was like a the Dink. Dink was one of them. Yeah. And, and, and Leith, I'm sorry. Like, once we get to a certain point in ECW, I'm going to feel really bad then. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. It's it's okay. I'll get past it. You, you Yeah, you'll be fine. He's only there for, like, a month. Okay. <laughs> so it's not, it's not that bad. So that was, that was kind of the big, the big happenings in, in the WWF. I mean, they're, we talked about, um, you know, we, we hit some of the big bullet points. I, I, you took a lot of notes. I mean, what what kind of stood out to you around that time? I mean, like, one of the, the, the big things is not only did Michaels win from number one, but they kind of had to change the rules so that he could win from number one because that was the first time they had that whole oh, he only touched it the ground with one foot, so he actually oh. did win. So they never really, like, talked about that before. So that was kind of game-changing for the entire Rumble. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah, I, I never even realized that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was, I would say, probably one of the, the biggest things. Like, probably one of the biggest Rumbles just for that reason, because not only... You have somebody that lasts from number one, but then he changes the rules. Because yeah. they, they had to stop and kind of discuss it and figure out what to do. And it's like, oh, well, you know, only one foot touch. And they go back to show the tape. And it's like, oh, only his one foot was on the ground ever. So it works out. Yeah, and I feel like if they had, if they could have gotten away with, like, no feet touched, they would have. But I, I think kind of being in the position Michaels was like hanging from the ropes like that I think it was inevitable yeah so and I'm not sure I'm not entirely sure if it was supposed to be that he was just supposed to fall out and skin the cat like he normally does yeah or if like like he just I mean obviously at that point he's exhausted so yeah I don't know if they had the the prep for that in case like something happened well, and the other weird thing about about that whole spot was like the way the way his legs kind of sweep under mm-hmm. the ring apron yes. to where you you can't even really see. Right, right. So, and, and I think you're right. I think part of it could have been like like an exhaustion thing because I mean that's it's probably 
Because it, it felt like a setup for a spot yeah. for him to skin the cat. Because yeah. he's done that, like, countless times. But, I mean, after that length of time, how much energy do you really have to just pull yourself back up like that? Yeah, because, I mean, that's that's about 45 minutes to an hour of just intensive cardio. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you And you didn't have and... a lot of rest spots, like, like yeah. some years. Like, I mean, I know, like, the one rumble... Roman was out for almost half of it before coming back. Was that the was that the whole like Roman has to defend it against everybody? I don't even remember. There's been that, so many and so many Roman spots where you're just like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think one of the the other kind of neat bits of uh, of of trivia that kind of stuck out to me because uh, a lot of this was wasn't uh super fresh for me because even though i wasn't watching wrestling in 95 when I, when i originally started this project a, a few like a year or so ago this is about where i started okay right and you know going back and, and re-watching some of this stuff uh I, there was some stuff that i that i didn't even notice like uh so we talked about one two three kid and bob bob holly winning the uh the tag team titles Mm -hmm. they win them cinderella story yes this is great and then the next night they lose them on raw right right so bob holly and one two three kid are like hey we gave you guys a shot you know you should give us a rematch and so the following week on raw they do that and there's uh the referee in that match is uh is somebody uh our ecw fans should recognize the ecw in that they the referee in that is uh future ecw taz manager and whistle aficionado bill alfonso oh okay yeah it, it took me a minute because like referees in the wwe are kind of treated like scenery almost where it's like you, you don't even pay attention to them really right right like, there's and, some you just know from years of watching, but for the most part, they're not even mentioned. Yeah. But that was that was Bill Alfonso. And uh, they do, like, a, a pretty serious injury spot that they just kind of, like, play off. Like, one, two, three kid goes for a, he goes for a move, and he he misses or something, and he's oh, just, like, yeah, that laying. was brutal. That I, was, that I wasn't was... sure if he was actually injured, to be honest. That was yeah, one of those, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, because that spot looks awful. It, I mean, if it was a work, it was a hell of a work. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know. That's one I'm, I'm not sure if it, yeah, it felt, I, it felt too real the way they handled it too, because they're kind of like brushing it off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really kind of brush that off real quick and, uh. He looked dazed. One, nothing else. And then, yeah, one, two, three kid was never seen again. <laughs> no survivors. Uh, but it, it was. It was a really kind of scary injury spot. And, uh, like, I looked online to try to find if that was legit or, or work and couldn't really find anything. So that was that was really all that, that happened, you know, in the WWF at that time. They, they were really kind of building towards WrestleMania, which was also kind of weird because the following month in february i mean we haven't really gotten to that you know that'll be our next episode but like february they don't have any pay-per-views oh yeah they go a whole month without pay-per-views and i feel like this is Mm -hmm. kind of where where uh where in your house kind of the idea kind of starts brewing like 
hey, maybe we should have something. Right, yeah, something to break it up. Yeah. So, uh, that, that kind of brings us to uh, ECW. All right. That's... So, sorry, go ahead. Uh, this is my, my first time going back and watching ECW. Like, ECW and WCW, I didn't watch at the time. I haven't watched really much since, so it's like, it's all kind of new to me to an extent. So there's like a lot of, a lot of new faces. Oh, this'll, this'll be great then as we, as we get into more ECW. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some later stuff, but not too much around this time. Yeah, e- ECW gets, gets, uh, gets pretty crazy. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I noticed right away one of the things, like, every every show seemed to have its own style, so to speak. Besides, like, not just, like, that it's hardcore, but they actually, like, like ECW had a lot more story to it than mm-hmm. especially, like, WCW at that time did. Yeah. So it was, like, already more, like, intriguing. It seemed to have less matches, but more actual, like, story building. And also much more questionable fashion choices in Stevie Richards. <laughs> oh man oh can we fun fact through chikara and king of trios i've seen some of these people live oh so, really yes i've seen stevie richards in person i've seen the one two three kid and it's all because of chikara bringing these guys in for like the, some of their bigger tournaments and stuff so it's sure it's really cool to kind of see him back in the day because it's like my first seeing of stevie richards was at you know like a chikara show <laughs> So, so it was, was, kinda... it, was it kind of shocking to see Stevie Richards with, like, this big 90s mullet and, like, flamingo glasses and an earring and everything? It, it was and it wasn't because he looked pretty much the same. <laughs> but it was, like, less mullety, so I don't know. Like, he still seemed pretty much, like, like he didn't change much. Less mullety. <laughs> less mullety. I think I... his hair was all long instead of yeah. short and long. I think, I think if between 1995... At any point after 1995, if you can say your hair was was much less mullet, then that's a good thing. Right, right. That's a definite improvement. Because he looked, he looks like a Joe Dirt stunt double. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Pretty, pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty great. And I mean, speaking of abusive relationships, his whole his whole thing with Raven kind of gets started during this month. Yeah, this we, was kind of was it it felt like the debut of Raven as the Raven. Was that, that accurate? Yes. That okay. is that is right. Uh, they they inter- kept mentioning all these other names which of course I didn't know, but I I yeah. kind of got the feeling that Raven was Raven for once. That was that was kind of the really the really strange thing was like ECW always kind of built itself as like this is this is the smart fans wrestling promotion okay. right mm-hmm. and here they are ECW and they're actually acknowledging a lot of Raven's like past gimmicks I mean yeah, these they, were... they mentioned him as. Johnny Polo, Scotty Flamingo, and Scotty yeah. the Body. Yeah. And uh, at some point, they said mentioned that Stevie Richards wrestled as Stevie Polo, like right before bringing Raven out. 
Yeah, and I think he also wrestled as Stevie Flamingo too. Okay, okay. That's that's where he got the like the the glasses. Oh, right? nice. <laughs> so because it was. But... All right, so I'm just getting this from what they were saying, but it sounded like Raven was with. Would it be WCW or WWF for a while, and then came back to ECW yeah. around this I, time? I, Is that how that worked? I, I think that's how that worked, and that was the that was the thing that was kind of kind of shocking about them, you know, Joey Styles interviewing Stevie Richards and then talking about like oh, Raven's coming and Joey Styles is acknowledging him as all these other gimmicks mm-hmm. because these gimmicks weren't like. ECW gimmicks at all. They were WWF and WWE gimmicks. Oh, okay. That makes more sense now. <laughs> yeah, so that that was the really kind of kind of shocking thing is it's like I they're mean, acknowledging it. Yeah, they're acknowledging not just the existence of other promotions but like who this other guy was in another promotion. Right. Because unless somebody came up and told you Jimmy Graffiti and Jimmy Del Rey, the gigolo, like, those are the same guy. Mm-hmm. But, like, you would never know because he was two different guys in WCW and the WWF. Right. Yeah, so, you keep it, coming across that as we're going through here, too. It's like, everybody has, like, another name for another promotion and all that. Yeah. And, and I think part of that is, I, I think that's kind of where we started seeing, like, how copyright affects affects gimmicks with mm-hmm. you know with different promotions existing like this right because i mean we we would see similar things happen like in the 2000s when like the dudley boys left the wwe and went to tna and they couldn't use the dudley boys name right yeah that seems to ha- wwe seems to do that a lot yeah like they kind of own the names for the most part yeah so it was it was really kind of i think that's what was was really shocking about raven kind of coming in was this whole acknowledgement and i think throughout the whole month of january joey styles like would refer to him as scotty flamingo scotty the body raven yeah yeah they kept bringing it up what i thought amused me too was that they immediately start kind of like starting a feud with uh tommy dreamer who's not even there like he's on a tour in japan and they're already like they're just still already like okay we're gonna feud with him though (laughs) yeah it's like he's not here to say anything but we're going after him and that that was also kind of like ecw's trademark though because you would have you had shane douglas in the main event at this time uh kind of sort of feuding with rick flair yeah yeah and didn't even like put that together but you're right yeah (laughs) But, I mean, at least we got, uh, you know, at least we would eventually get good matches out of Raven and Tommy Dreamer. Oh, my God. Yeah, there. I mean, I've seen documentaries and different things about their whole, like, storyline. So, I, I, I'm familiar, at least, with that. And it's just, it's so interesting and silly and fun. I, I feel like, I feel like their story, their feud is, is one of my more favorite ones from ECW because I feel like there's a lot there that uh, from a lot of different sides you can relate to. Right. Like, like I can relate to, to Raven, you know, uh, growing up and being like an angsty poetry writing teen. 
Like, yes, I absolutely relate to Raven. See, that's actually something, watching it now, I had to go, I went on Twitter and asked some of my, my wrestling friends there if Raven was taken seriously at this point, because watching it back, I'm like, oh my god, he's cheesy as heck. (laughs) it's it's so corny but it's like i think at that time like i'm like was it cool and everyone said it was so i'm like okay (laughs) it's it's kind of cringeworthy now because like like for me especially because again like i was i was that kind of teenager it's like no that that me never existed yeah you can tell who you can tell who his uh demographic was for sure yeah like I'm, I'm saying that like as I'm burning all my old composition notebooks of, of <laughs> angsty teen poetry. Like, nope, that never happened. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. I've uh, always been well adjusted. Finger <laughs> guns. Like, so, it, and I think part of what makes it cringeworthy is the fact that like it, the WWE doesn't have like the licensing for the music used in the promos or anything. Right. So they, they've just got this like generic, and it's not even like angsty. But this oh, just kind of yeah. like, and it's just like him walking around with this like weird generic music in the background. He's just like <laughs> in shorts and like a like you know the kind of like flannel shirt tied around his waist and a leather jacket, and it's like all of ninety degrees below zero in Philadelphia in the middle of January. Mm-hmm. And I, I just find myself like watching some of these promos and thinking like. You know, I kind of wonder what people, like, on the streets or something were thinking watching them filming this stuff. Oh, I know. And at one point he was, like, walking and there was, like, a car coming towards him. I'm like, huh. <laughs> and yeah. he kept trying to do all those, like, different, like, camera angles and, like, effects and stuff that, like, nowadays we wouldn't even want to do on our phones. <laughs> so yeah. funny. But, yeah, like, I... I watching it back as this being my first time I just was like oh my god he's so corny but I still loved it you know what I mean like I love the gimmick I love the character but to me it didn't read as like relatable angsty tinks I'm you know old and not angsty (laughs) (laughs) oh look at me I'm over my teenage angst (laughs) it took a while but yeah (laughs) lucky (laughs) Yeah, like it, like his gimmick, like going back and watching it and being, you know, like almost thirty now. It's, it's just it reeks of like, shut up, Dad. You'll never understand. Yeah, it really, really does. But it, it kind of was it when he switched to WCW that it kind of transitioned to that type of character as well. Yeah, I think so. Because Where he was like when... kind of like the the rich kid, and he's just like angsty teen, but he actually was like super wealthy and lived in a nice house. His parents were really nice. <laughs> I haven't. I, I never got that far in WCW because okay. right before we started this, I was in. I think I was in like March of '97, so I wasn't quite that far to where uh, Dreamer and Raven were in WCW. Okay, and I think maybe having that reference too is kind of throwing yeah. me off of how serious to take this Raven. Yeah, it's it, the thing the thing I kind of like compare dreamer and Raven to an ECW, like I feel like they were ECW's undertaker and Kane. Okay. There's this, there's this really kind of deep storied past. I mean, it doesn't necessarily get beyond like, well, you were mean to me at summer camp and now I'm angsty. Yeah. 
and this girl you picked on, she's my girlfriend now. And she's gorgeous, so meh. <laughs> but, like, it, I feel like that there was kind of this potential for it to, to get kind of richer. Because the whole point is, like, Tommy Dreamer and Raven have this past, like, pre-ECW. And because there's this past, there's this mystery. Like, what happened? Right, like, right. It, it's very could... different from, like, anything else you're seeing around this time, too. Because there's just... Yeah. I mean, there's stories, but it wasn't, like anything realistic in any way shape or form yeah it was like this could have been anybody's feud yeah exactly and i, and... I feel like that that was kind of their their standard as well there you come across that a lot just like this like like uh mikey whipwreck who's just kind of like a dude you know what i mean like he just started off as like ring crew guy and then he got super pushed in 94 and was like the major underdog and now he's, like, fighting with his best friend kind of thing who is under the influence of Jason. The sexiest man alive. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Paul, sure Paul Loria, his BFF, is fighting Mikey because, you know, Jason's in his ear telling him to. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, like, it feels so, like, realistic. Like, I could see that being just, like, an argument or a fight with, like, actual people. Yeah, and, and the other thing about, like, the stuff going on in ECW was these weren't really like storylines that required a lot of like, a, like a leap of faith on the viewer. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to buy into somebody having like supernatural powers or I don't know, being a millionaire or I, I don't know beyond that. Yeah. And just, they're just dudes yeah, like, that you would just, just see on the street and then they were fighting for reasons the sandman wears uh zubaz just like me yeah yeah and he takes cigarette breaks yeah in the middle of matches <laughs> he's smoking during matches like come on like, it was very smart in that sense it's just regular guys fighting it out over reasons that actually made sense <laughs> yeah like there was there was a lot going on in ECW and and some of the stuff was uh pretty interesting and you had uh, some pretty solid main event matches. I mean, we get it kind of twice during that time, but we get uh Shane Douglas versus Ron Simmons. Mhm. Mm and we get uh The Public Enemy versus Sabu and Taz. Right, right. And th those were pretty great matches. And and we kind of get to see some promos with like The Public Enemy which I'm sorry, I am I am a sucker for public enemy promos. <laughs> they're, they're so much fun. Oh my goodness. So those were those are kind of the big feuds and you know, again during this time Shane Douglas is kind of trash talking and building this feud around the fact that, that him and Ric Flair don't get along and and he's you know, he's representing like the new generation, this this new force in wrestling and he's got the triple threat with him mm -hmm. dean malenko and he who shall not be named right right chris benoit yeah, those, those fellows keep showing up too they're messing with like everybody during ecw at this time yeah and triple threat was really kind of was really kind of cool because again and and douglas was always really great on the mic and really good at selling this was like you know, we're doing with three what it takes Ric Flair to do with four. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, I really enjoyed the triple threat stuff. Right, right. Uh, so, and and I think like around this the same time is even though it's it's not really talked about or anything, I think this is also a little bit of the start to the relationship between Sat uh, Saz, uh, Taz and Sabu, and you know what eventually culminates in their feud a few years later. Okay. Uh, I think okay. uh, I might be wrong, but so I, I, I know they're still tagging at this point fairly right. often. And they're kind of mm. they're kind of build as like reinforcements of Paul Heyman, right? So that's that's kind of their whole gimmick. And Taz is Taz is still like the Taz maniac. He's he's savage and he wears like caveman gear to the ring. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. And I was like. This isn't the Taz I'm familiar with. <laughs> He's not on commentary and talking about chains and tomatoes. <laughs> what is this? It's an interesting adjustment. I'm like, all right, yeah. all right, just gonna roll with it. <laughs> so we get we get that, and then I think we can kind of transition into uh, into WCW. Uh, oh, we sorry. One oh, more. Sorry. One more is the the next one of the. Big things is the the Cactus Jack Sandman feud. Oh yeah, you got that, that was, going that was on. Pretty intense. Yes. Cactus Jack I, ended with that that promo and the he's Texas just, Death Match and all that. Oh my goodness. So many, so many of the ECW promos are done are cut like immediately like after the match. All these guys are in the back and they're like they're stuck together with like glue and packing tape and whatever they could find that would make them look like they were in less of a car wreck. <laughs> and Mick Foley, just God love him, doing cutting some of the most intense promos of his life, just face covered in blood. I know, he's like, like his hand was all like puffy and cut open and like, oh my goodness. Because he like broke his hand. He I straight know. up like broke his hand. Is is pretty intense, and then he's just and like, "Yeah, death match, let's do it." <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. my god, <laughs> I yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that like the super hardcore death match stuff. It gets a little cringy for me, but man, I was like, I was into the the story of it and the feel of it and the fact that he's just like, like raring to go, like like let's get it on. We're gonna take it one step further than we did this time. There, it, my my wife is a little bit the same way. She can't watch she can't watch the ECW stuff with me really. Okay. Uh, unless it's just like a straight wrestling match, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. But like, I mean, some of that stuff does get. I mean, even for me, like it it, it gets hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, because you're seeing them taking like headshots and blading and all that old school stuff that you're just like, oh, you're concussions and your poor brain yeah <laughs> like, and, and you're just like no okay i get it i get why painkillers are a thing now yeah yeah like it's, it's like you don't need to do all this for us <laughs> and that's that's the other crazy thing is it's like it's it's really scary to watch some of the stuff these guys go through and then you just have somebody like terry funk who gives who gives no no amount of care he's mm -hmm. just like yeah, I'll, I'll go light a dude on fire. I don't know. He's he's an amazing person in general. Like to start uh, yes. to start his career the way he did, and then to like 
transition into the like death match like hardcore stuff it's like usually it's the reverse <laughs> yeah it's just it's it's really funny because you, you watch some of like the promos terry funk cuts and he's he's very quiet he's very i'm, I'm terry funk and I'm, I'm just gonna go out there and hit somebody with a garbage can you know <laughs> that's what we do in texas and he just the next thing you know there he is like cattle brand in hand and he is lighting somebody's face on fire (laughs) whoa cut smash cut to a gif of will ferrell and anchorman like that escalated quickly right right (laughs) i think i think terry funk killed a guy oh man he's amazing (laughs) like like i'm legit surprised something and terry funk is still wrestling yeah yeah he's doing what he loves He's, I think he's 70, and he's still wrestling. Amazing, amazing person. Like, uh, it, like it's still, like, just that transition. Like, you start, you know, typical, like, technical guy, and then you're just like, yeah, I'm bored of this. Like, let me, like, hit people in the face with a chair and barbed like, wire. And <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> I'm not entirely certain that Terry Funk didn't make some sort of deal with the devil, like to go out and cause as much pain as he as he possibly could, <laughs> like on this earth. Like he he had this kind of like Ghost Rider thing going on where it's like, no, okay, you're not gonna die, but I need you to 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 bring some pain out into the world. Oh my god. Like I'm convinced at 73 years old, Terry Funk could take most of the wwe roster oh i'm sure they wouldn't even know what to do with them like they could not put him in the ring with randy orton (laughs) because he would kill randy orton oh yes orton's so i don't know i don't know what the word is for it because it's like he's kind of lazy but it's not really laziness complacent there you go that's it He's, yeah, I would say he's complacent. Like, he, he doesn't need to work that hard, so why should he? Yeah, I mean, work work harder, or work smarter, not harder. Yeah, exactly. It's I good. mean, I do gotta give Orton some credit. That one that one RKO spot at, uh, at WrestleMania between him and Seth Rollins was pretty cool. Have you seen that? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Is, is that your daughter? Yep. <laughs> and I'm named Shanoa. <laughs> oh my god. Hi. Hi. I'm Shanoa. Alright, hold on a sec. You want some soft pedals? So, yeah, I mean, the, I, I do give Randy Orton a little credit for that because that was pretty cool. Ah. Uh, Yes, hi. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I had to escort her out the door. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, what, I, what I was talking about was uh, the, the Randy Orton RKO spot at WrestleMania with him and Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one thing I will give him credit for because that was pretty cool. Yeah, he... It's like you can tell when Orton's having a good time in the ring when it's a match he wants to do. When he's feeling it, you know what I mean? He'll do... And when he's... Versus, like, when he's going through the motions. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can tell, like, what matches are actually important to him or that he seems invested in in some way. 
Yeah. It's a huge difference. You had two very, very different Ortons. <laughs> Multiple Ortons. <laughs> so, so I guess that, that brings us to, to WCW. Yes. So, WCW, at this time, for anybody not familiar, they didn't have they didn't have a primetime show like Raw. They only had WCW Saturday Night, which was built around this weird, like, Terminator theme. Okay. Like this, like this really weird, like, robot aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. And... They had a mascot, they, too. Yeah! Which was random. Wildcat Willie. That's the other thing. Like, you would see mascots and stuff in WCW pretty pretty frequently. There were episodes of Nitro where they would have, like, uh, you know, if they were they were in, like, uh, I, I don't know where, but they would have, like, the uh, like the basketball team or, you know, whoever played at that arena, they would have, like, that local mascot there a lot. Uh, they would do that a lot on Nitro, and it's like I don't ever remember seeing anything like that done on Raw. Yeah, no. I mean, they had something. I feel like there was some kind of mascot thing at some point, but I, I could be wrong. They had a lot of weird gimmicks, too, yeah. that would just pop up, and you're just like, like, it would look like a mascot, but it was actually supposed to be a wrestler, so I don't know. <laughs> like the, the gobbledygooker. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is a wrestler or a mascot. It could be both. Maybe that's his, maybe that's his second job. <laughs> very, very possible, yeah. So, WCW, the big feud at the time was, you know, Randy Savage has just debuted mm-hmm. at Starcade. The big question was, are him and Hogan on good terms or not? And we come to find out, yeah, they're they're buddies. Hulk Hogan and Macho Man forever. Yeah, the and Monster Maniacs? The Monster Maniacs. And Vader had also just debuted with WCW because what time? Vader. Vader time. <laughs> it, is, it is. Yes, it is half. It is half past Vader time. <laughs> me, me and the wife have have joked about like getting a clock and just putting like, like a Vader logo on there and like a Power Rangers logo and like a hammer. You know, just all different. the different times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, Vader had just debuted and he was. They were kind of building towards Vader versus Hogan, but at the same time they were doing this kind of like weird Kevin Sullivan feud with Hogan. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing was, uh, Kevin Sullivan had his younger brother, uh, Dave. Yes. Who was, uh, his whole thing was, I guess he was dyslexic. Yeah. And, and but for some reason little... they kind of played that up as him being dumb for some reason. <laughs> they, they really played it as him being, sort of like special needs or something yeah but he's just supposed to be dyslexic because like that's not what that is <laughs> yeah like dyslexic just means you get your words kind of mixed up a little bit but like they kind of pushed it into like no he's he's not right upstairs like his whole the, the because dave was like obsessed with hulk hogan right yeah and, and hulk gives him the the fancy hogan robe and all that the magic boots that he slammed Andre in, mm-hmm. and and the weird thing was, I mean, obviously uh, Dave's whole gimmick was handled with the uh, tact and professionalism that you could expect from WCW. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, not offensive at all. Not in the slightest. And uh, Kevin Sullivan's Goonie, like, was was uh, the former the former Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Mm-hmm. But he was just being called, I think, the Butcher at this time. Yeah. Yeah. But he still had scissors. Well, like, but, but butchers cut stuff? Yeah, I mean, they have scissors. I mean, they got twine and stuff they gotta cut. Yeah, exactly. And, and the weird thing is, it's like, I feel like Kevin Sullivan and Hulk Hogan kind of look alike in the sense that they're, I mean, they're not like super muscular or anything. They're not like Lex Luger or Chris Masters or anything, but they, they both kind of have a similar build and then they've got like the platinum blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I feel like with better writing, like if you had, if you had had Shakara's creative team in the nineties, in WCW, you could have built that gimmick as Kevin Sullivan is Hulk Hogan from another dimension. Yeah. He's evil. He's evil Hulk Hogan. And I feel like they, they kind of like tried to do something kind of similar to that, but they just never really like committed to it fully. Yeah. Cause I mean, that was like, like, like Dave was trying to be Hogan too. And he had the hair and everything. Cause that was like the big yeah. thing that like cut his hair. They cut his robe. They cut his boots, man. They, oh, the boots. And the I was, magic boots. I was less thrilled on on that one, but yeah. Yeah. And and this was the the big feud, and, and the big question when when Savage debuted was: Is he going to side with Sullivan or is he going to side with Hogan? You know what's going to happen. And I mean, a lot of this kind of builds up in '95 and a little bit into '96. But like, it, if I had been booking that, or like like that's what I would have loved to have seen is like. Hulk Hogan from like the mirror dimension, you know, get get some Star Trek stuff going on in there and be like, yes, this is just evil Hulk Hogan. Right. Yeah, we don't know. He's he's just evil. That like, that, that would have worked. That would have been great, right? I could have seen it. Yeah. You just needed like a goatee or something. Isn't that yeah. usually the case? <laughs> so. You've got this kind of feud, and again, they're kind of building also towards towards Vader and Hogan. The, the whole idea is that these guys are going to clash at some point. What's going to happen? And, I mean, that's really all you had in WCW. Yeah, there was... Eh. I mean, it was, it was kind of... The way they built stuff was very strange to me. Like, they would have squash matches on the show, and then there would be a promo afterwards where they'd be like, calling out their actual opponents yeah like it was it's so it's kind of hard to find the feuds amongst like all the promos like what was actually important or not like in wcw you actually had to like like wade through waist deep in crap to find the actual feuds right right because i mean there there's some some decent people yeah i mean things going on i mean we have the like harlem heat and yeah. like I think their their big feud was was gonna end up being with the Nasty Boys. I think is where they're going with that. I, I think maybe that might have been where they were going with, with it, but it wound up being versus Stars and Stripes. Right, right. And then I think at the the end of all of it for for January is the Nasty yeah. Boys called called them out because they want to be they want to be tag team champs. Yeah. And you had I mean that was. But yeah, I mean, it's it's, was... it's kind of hard to find the the feuds. <laughs> yeah, you had you had uh, 
Sting it, versus Avalanche, I think is what he was being billed at at this time. Yes. And the Guardian Angel, who mm-hmm. looked like a white rerun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he comes, he, he, the whole idea is like, hey, I, I'm, I'm the good guy, quasi-biker person. I, I don't know, I'm the Guardian Angel. Whatever. I'm, I'm Southern. Yeah, it's kind of like instead of like Hell's Angels, it's like, no, I'm yeah. the Guardian Angel. Yeah. I don't know. And <laughs> he's supposed to be like the special referee for the match. And then stuff happens at Clash of Champions. And now I'm I'm not the Guardian Angel. Heck with that. I'm Big Bubba Rogers. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess. And I think I think he almost dropped an F-bomb on that, on that promo with, with uh, Mean Gene. Oh, yeah. He either almost dropped an F-bomb, or I think he clearly uh, said uh, a, a very certain word that rhymes with it. Gotcha. Uh, it was one of those two things. And it's like, it, he, like you can see it kind of in Gene's eyes, like, shut up, we're live. You can't do that. <laughs> so that that was really kind of all you had in WCW, and I think this is a good example of, like, they never really improved on this. Yeah. A lot of, uh, I mean, over over the years, I mean, there are still some bright spots on the roster and everything, and there are still some, like, you know, feuds that stand out, but, like, there's, I mean, they never really kind of improve on this system. There's yeah, it's, a lot. It's, it's so, it's very strange. Like, it's a strange setup, because it's, like, all, all of the storyline stuff is built through promos. And there'd yeah. be, like, every episode there might be one or two matches that actually means anything. And yeah. the rest would just be against jobbers. Yeah. It, it's it's very, I think, indicative of the stuff. Because there's, like you said, it's all built through promos. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no sense of urgency to actually want to watch the actual matches. Right, and then a lot of the matches, because it is just jobbers and that there's, like, no storytelling within the match itself, like, at yeah. all, in pretty much any way. <laughs> it's yeah. just every every so often you would get one that would be like, okay, this actually matters, but then it's like, yeah. how do you know? Yeah, and I, I feel like, I feel like WCW continues to suffer with that problem, like, all the way through. Right. Like, all the way through their existence. I think when the NWO comes around, some of that changes a little bit because suddenly you're invested to be like, okay, is this match actually going to happen? Or what kind of, what kind of like chicanery to use a a super fancy word, what kind of chicanery is going to happen with the NWO where they're, are are they going to come down and interrupt this match? Is six going to steal somebody's belt? What's happening? Right. But right now, it's a lot of, here's a match, and there's a promo after that talks about the actual story. Yes, and that seems to be the, the primary setup overall. Um, I'd say, like, the the most interesting of all the matches from January of 95 for me was uh, Arn Anderson versus Macho Man. Yeah. Because they had that 15-minute time limit. Like, the match could go on beyond that, but he only had 15 minutes to actually pin him to win the belt. Yeah. So was... that one actually had that sense of urgency because you only had so much time to, like, actually get anything done. 
Yeah, and that was... I really like watching a lot of the TV title matches Mm -hmm. uh, from what I've seen in both uh, WCW and ECW. I think it's a really cool way to build, like, a mid-card title. Right. And I've always always really kind of been disappointed that the WWE never really got behind a TV title, especially with how much of a TV company they are. Yeah, like, those those kind of matches actually, like, were interesting. Like, it's like... Like, I was kind of on the edge of my seat a little bit, not knowing what was going to happen, and, like, is he going to be able to do it? Like, what's going to happen? Like, that whole time limit thing really Really got me... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, oh my god, like, how's he going to do this? (laughs) And and the same goes for, like, uh, for for the other TV title match for WCW, which I think was at Clash of the Champions, and that was Arn Anderson versus Johnny B. Bad. Right, right. Which, I mean... I, I really like Johnny B. Bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you want to talk about, about being extra, being, you know, just completely over the top. Dude had confetti cannons. Yes. And that's great. And they built a gimmick around the fact that, hey, this guy kind of sort of looks like Little Richard. Maybe if you squink, or squint, squink. I don't know what squink is. Maybe if you squint, <laughs> right? And it's just like, like, okay, that's, yeah, that's also WCW's whole, like, entrance music game. Like, yeah, kind of, kind of sounds like that popular song. Right. (laughs) Almost a little bit. Yeah, almost. Like, just enough to where a court case can't be made out of it. (laughs) It's funny how that works. So... That was really kind of all, like, everything that happened. And that was the thing, like, that, I think, is going to be kind of the most disappointing thing about WCW is they had so much talent and so much potential that a lot of it kind of got wasted. Yeah, that seemed to be the way. And, and even even with some of the bigger stars, like like somebody the caliber of Randy Savage, kind of being relegated to this role of, Okay, you're Hulk Hogan's sidekick now. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed with that whole thing. Cause, I mean, I'm more of a Savage fan than than Hogan, of course. But it's like I kind of I was excited to see him in WCW because I knew at this point he had left WWE because they only wanted him on commentary. They weren't gonna let him wrestle. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna get to see him wrestle again. And I was like, not really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and you it's... don't really get to see him wrestle much. And it's like I feel like they kind of missed out having like putting him on commentary around the time that they did because I mean if they if they had if things had worked out a different way and Savage had stayed with the WWE for another couple years if you had put Savage in the ring with somebody the caliber of like Shawn Michaels oh like, yeah you know 90 96 97 like that would have been a barn burner of a match right I, I mean, that, that would have been a solidified classic. And, and it's kind of a shame that we, we miss out on those kind of matches because, you know, they just, there was this transition, this focus on, on a lot of the younger stars at that time, which to, to some degree made made a certain amount of sense. Yeah, right? I mean, you, you need to push some of the younger guys because otherwise these older guys are going to retire and you're not going to have a show. (laughs) Yeah. But, but at the same time, I mean, I, Hogan and Savage at that point, I don't think were, were anywhere 
near ready to to retire or end their legacy. There were still matches that they could have gone out and done. Yeah, I never understood the the kind of like forced retirement of Macho Man. Yeah. Like it didn't make sense to me. It's like I mean, it's kind of like what they're doing with Daniel Bryan now. Like he's cleared, yeah. he can wrestle. They're just going to lose him. Like that's what's going to happen cuz like he can wrestle. His doctor said it's okay. I I don't know. I I really worry about Daniel Bryan. I mean, I I love him as a wrestler. And uh, somebody I I listened to a while ago, something I read a Mm -hmm. while ago, I think, talked about, like, the reason, like, Vince doesn't push a lot of a lot of the smaller guys like Brian isn't necessarily because he doesn't think they can't wrestle or they can't get over or anything. It just has to do with the fact that they're so much more injury prone. And I, I can kind of see that, right? Like I love Daniel Bryan. I love his, his matches and everything. And I think he's great, but he has also like, I mean, he puts himself, he puts so much of himself into every match mm-hmm. and you can see like, okay, this, yes, this is why you have like 30 concussions. Yeah. I mean, some of the, the spots and stuff and maneuvers that they, they choose to do, it's like, you don't need to do this every time. Yeah. Like any, and, any of the like suicide dives and all that kind of stuff. Like that does not, that shouldn't be every match. That should be yeah. like maybe like a pay-per-view or something to hold it. Yeah for that like his stupid diving headbutts like you don't need to do that like just stop I, I, think, <laughs> I think i think somebody like undertaker found a really good balance in that kind of thing mm-hmm. because you could put him on tv and he could have a decent match with just about anybody right and then you would you would go to a pay-per-view maybe once a month or, or once every two months or whatever and he would pull out some of the bigger stops like his his big diving plancha that he would do you know yeah, over the top yeah. rope that that big like lawn dart of a move that he does and you're just like okay yeah that that definitely doesn't need to be every match yeah and it definitely especially in this era when they're wrestling like almost it feels like almost every day there's a show going on or they're wrestling somewhere they have a live event or whatever their schedules are ridiculous so it's like save some of your bigger spots for your pay-per-view save the dives save all those real high risk stuff you don't need to do that on a raw yeah, and I, I think some of that I think some of that mentality maybe kind of has to do with some of the organizations that Brian came up through, mm-hmm. like like Ring of Honor or anything. And that's not to say anything anything bad about Ring of Honor or anything like that. But like you know, some of the mentality in in that culture among indie organizations is that matches need to be spot fests like every time. Right. Right. And, and, and I, I think, I mean, part of it, too, is that, like, you know, they are a smaller dudes, so they have that mentality that they need to go above and beyond yeah. to impress, yeah. and it's like, really don't. So, like, I feel like, uh, I, I want to see Daniel Bryan wrestle again, uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, I feel like the, the whole forced retirement thing, I feel like, I feel like Vince's heart is in the right place if it's coming from Vince or if it's coming from Triple H or whoever it's coming from, I feel like their heart is in the right place. I don't think it's because they don't want him to wrestle. I think they're legitimately trying to protect him. I think you listen to some of the stuff like Triple H. I mean, a lot of people like, you know, I mean, it's hard to say 
It's like one yeah. of those, like, I'm not there, I don't know. I mean, they let Angle wrestle, <laughs> but that not happened. Brian. It's like, I don't know. Like, that just, that kind of actually threw me a little bit more, too, because it's like, yeah. I mean, the, the how much they protected Angle during that entire match was just like, yeah. like, you, well, you could tell they're, like, terrified of him getting injured. <laughs> And, and I think I think you listen to some of the stuff that that Triple H has. Uh, a lot of people kind of crap on Triple H as being this guy who who buries young talent, and I think he's trying really hard to actually push a lot of the young talent. And I think a lot of people don't don't see that necessarily. Like he's gone on record saying, you know, he was the biggest fighter for Brian backstage. Oh yeah, and I'm he's, sure. And he's yeah, and he's talked about how like Brian's great and everything, but like like the biggest biggest problem with brian is he didn't know when to say no he was always he was always saying yes so it's like i i mean i want to see him wrestle at the same time i just i worry so much about daniel bryan like i know it's a hard thing it's hard to decide but i mean if he's cleared he wants to wrestle he's gonna wrestle if i found out that daniel bryan was going to be wrestling at like the next pay-per-view or something i would have anxiety until it was over yeah, like, no, I, I mean, that's how I felt every time Undertaker came back. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, does he need to do another WrestleMania? Like, after 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 the match was Lesnar, it was just like, I... Oh, at this he looked point, so bad at that point, too. Oh, my goodness. It, at this point, I'm not, I'm not watching my favorite wrestler wrestle. I'm watching my grandfather get beat up. Yeah. It's not fun anymore. No, no. It's like, this is This is hard to watch. Like he was already beaten at WrestleMania, the streak's gone. Let him, let him go. <laughs> it's time. It's time. So, I mean that. I feel like I feel like we can probably end it here. Okay. I think. Well, I mean, no. Let's let's talk about one other <laughs> thing real quick. Is it Alex Wright? Because we didn't mention it's him yet. Alex. It's Alex Wright. It's <laughs> like thirty minute. His thirty minute like video package of him just dancing to like euro pop yes that was the best that was like my favorite part of wcw so far <laughs> that... like yo dog I heard, I, I heard you like you know video wipes and alex right here you go <laughs> it was hilarious just that whole gimmick like again it just like was this cool at the time because like looking back is again so so cheesy and so corny and the dancing was so bad but i have that feeling that back then it was pretty cool i feel like it had to at least be over with the ladies i mean we saw them all like just losing their minds over alex right oh my goodness yes they they wanted to corrupt that poor boy oh he's only 18 yeah He's a, a young, young kid. <laughs> Very young. They wanted to, they wanted to, to show that poor boy the world. Those mm-hmm. ladies. <laughs> they were, they were jumping the rails. And Paul Roma's all jealous in the background. Is that what happened? Is that why he got Paul Roma fired? Uh, no, uh, from what I read and what I understand is that he got him fired because he was not he was supposed to put Alex Wright over, and he didn't. In addition oh. to that, he was stiff, like ah. really, really stiff. So those were okay. those were the two reasons I heard that he, mm. how he got Paul Roma fired. I'm not entirely sure if it's just rumors or if that's like 
100% legit, but that that was the story. Is it okay. he was just not doing what he was supposed to be doing for WCW, so they let him go. Okay. Because, I mean, Alex Wright, they had a lot of... I mean, they were obviously trying to push him, at least in the mid-card, to some degree. Like, they had him on, like, yeah. every episode, doing all of his vignettes. And then, I guess, Paul Roma was kind of like, nah, I, I want to be the star. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Roma time. Yeah, yeah. The, that... the, Roma, the Roma Empire. There you go. <laughs> Roma reigns. Pushing it. <laughs> oh, my, oh my god, somebody needs to Photoshop Paul Roma as Roman Reigns. Please. <laughs> that would be so good. I would be all about, like, they, they mess with the, the tactical vest and they have it like a PNR. That would be great. Oh my god. If anybody's listening to this and can make that Photoshop happen, please. Please make Roma Reigns. <laughs> So I guess just some some real quick interesting bits of uh, trivia. Some of this comes from uh, from the Wrestling Observer. I'm not super familiar with the Wrestling Observer, but I, I thought this would be kind of interesting to have up. So uh, this is from the January second ninety five Wrestling Observer. Nobody knows what the future of Jean Paul Levesque is in WCW. They offered him $1,500 per week, which, oh my god, I would kill for that kind of money, <laughs> uh, per week deal to stay, and promised him a tag title run with Steve Regal. The WWF is reportedly interested in him as well. Oh my hmm. goodness. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah. It would later go on to be reported that uh, Bobby Eaton was considered to be taking uh, Jean-Paul Levesque's place as Steven Regal's tag team partner. Oh. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, bah, bah, bah. I think at this time they were even talking about Lex Luger. They were even teasing him in WCW. Oh, wow. So this comes from... Uh, yeah, I guess that the... would be the right time. Yeah. yeah close to it. I never understood why anybody wanted Luger. I, that, I that's don't one I, I don't generally diss wrestlers or anything like that. Like, I'm not a negative type person, but I hate Luger. <laughs> then I got some bad news for you about WCW. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, Luger, for me, could have been the prototype, like, monster, like, Brock Lesnar-style heel. The key was, I mean, book him that way, obviously, but also don't let him anywhere near a mic. Yeah, I mean, the, I think what bothers me the most with him is that he has no love for wrestling. <laughs> like, he would deny being a wrestler when people would recognize him, like, on planes and stuff. <laughs> so, it's like, it's like how how can I get behind this guy who doesn't even want to be a wrestler? I'm just imagining Lex Luger on a plane. <laughs> He's just decked out in his full like lex express gear <laughs> you know i mean his face is being swallowed by the muscles in his chest and somebody's like hey you're you're lex luger you're a wrestler right no no must be thinking of somebody else not me <laughs> not a wrestler uh, stupid luger <laughs> not this guy <laughs> like uh <laughs> But this was uh, this was January of '95. This comes from the uh, January 30th, 
95 Wrestling Observer. Um, Mark Madden got into some more trouble on the WCW 900 hotline, which, oh my god, wrestling hotlines, you guys. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah. He also talked about, uh, he talked about Lex Luger leaving WWF to come to WCW, as if, in big parentheticals, a few days later, Okerlund also teased Luger coming in. Okay. Uh, Dave Meltzer says there doesn't appear to be any truth at all to the Luger story and is likely just Madden's way of trying to stir up rumors for the hotlines. He was later (laughs) reprimanded by Bischoff. Womp, womp. Oh my goodness. And, and the funny, the other funny thing about all this is that, uh, the WWF would be doing Slim Jim commercials. Yes. Like, we, we always kind of associate, I think, by, like, default, like, Macho Man with Slim Jim, but, like, Bam Bam Bigelow and Diesel, like, oh, my yeah. God, Diesel's Slim Jim commercial. Like, these guys were doing ads for Slim Jims, too. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't know why Macho Man kind of, like, I mean, he was, like, the, the primary one that I guess we saw all the time, but, yeah, they all were doing adverts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were they were all doing different ads, and I mean, we'll we'll see that more as we get through like the WWF. I mean, doing their whole Karate Fighters tournament. I think they did that two years in a row. And I mean, it's just it it's just kind of funny that like Slim Jim is is doing what it's doing. You know, playing these two companies kind of sort of against each other. You have Macho Man doing Slim Jim commercials, and then you have you know Diesel and Bam Bam Bigelow doing them too. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of interesting. Uh, any any trivia, Leah, that uh, you want to go over, real um, quick? I think I think we touched on most of it. I mean, there, okay. there's some a little dark stuff in ECW, like when I discovered who Woman was. Yeah. I was kind of like, uh, <laughs> like, but it's, uh, I think it, it, I think we got through most of what what I had on file. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Uh, I mean, the story of Chris Benoit and uh, and Nancy is is very sad. Yes. Uh, there's there's no denying that. Uh, they do wind up. I mean, for for all the terrible things that that happened to them, and God knows it's it's not an excuse or anything, but they are a part of this of this era. Right. And arguably bright spots of this era. So, it, it is something. I mean. You know, it's going to come up during the show, but by no means, uh, I mean, obviously, by by no means do we do we condone uh, what happened with uh, Crispin McQuay. You know, we obviously don't endorse that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got it. We got to mention him. We got to mention Nancy. They're there. (laughs) Can't really, like, avoid it. Yeah. I think to to ignore uh their place in this era is to do a disservice right so it it, it is going to come up but uh you know we'll, we'll try not to uh to get too dark with that yes no i just it, it, i realized it and then i was like oh my goodness okay <laughs> but woman is a lot of fun especially uh you know when we when we get further into into uh uh wcw Okay. To kind of spoil, to kind of spoil something, <laughs> guys. It's it's twenty years old. I mean, come on, spoilers. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out by now, uh, so it, I, I think that's I think that's really uh, I think 
that's been a show. Uh, WCW didn't have a pay per view. They just had Clash of the Champions, which we which we kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. And uh, ECW wasn't doing pay per views at this point. Right. So uh, we don't really have anything to touch on there. So I, I think it's been a show. Leith, it's it's been a real great time uh, doing this, and I'm I'm really happy we could we could make this work out, and I I'm looking forward to the next time we get to record. So uh, where where can people since we're getting towards the end of the show, if people want to like follow you and are interested in some of the stuff that you're doing, where can they follow you? Where can they find you on the internets? Uh, the biggest place for me would be Twitter. Um, I'm at pariah underscore lane l-a-y-n-e because i'm obnoxious and (laughs) that that's pretty much the the jumping off point for me i do have instagram and facebook and all that but that's basically where i live is twitter (laughs) i can confirm (laughs) okay and of course you know the the leith gray uh hotline oh uh, yes yes yeah 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 i have a, a a few different 900 numbers, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's how people communicated in the 90s, exclusively through hotlines. Of course. That was it. Uh, and uh, uh, people, you can find me uh, at Space King Bobby on Twitter. You can also follow me on Tumblr at Space King Bobby SFW. And uh, you can follow Wrestling Time Machine at, uh, at Tumblr as well. I, I have a Wrestling Time Machine Tumblr. Great crowd shots of, of wrestling crowds, if you like that. Because 90s fashion was just a garbage fire. <laughs> Especially this era. <laughs> so, uh, you can follow uh, Wrestling Time Machine on Tumblr as well. Uh, follow the Wrestling Time Machine uh, column that I'm doing on nerdfrickstrangers.com. Uh, wrestling Time Machine is going to be up. We're going to be up on iTunes. We're going to have an iTunes feed, so you can find us there. You can also find us on Podbean. And guys, if you want to, if you want to follow along and talk to us about the about the show, about you know uh, maybe what you're watching wrestling wise, or if you have any thoughts or or, or feedback, uh, you can email our show at Wrestling Time Machine Podcast at gmail.com. And if you email us. We will uh, read your email on the show. So that's that's a thing. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us, uh, Wrestling Time Machine, on Facebook. And you can also, uh, I, I will probably get a Twitter up for us at some point. It's not a thing yet, but it, it will be maybe. So, it could happen. I don't know. Yeah, it could happen. You don't know. Mm. <laughs> so... Uh, and you know, once we're, once we're up on, uh, since we are up on Facebook, you know, give us a like, tell your friends about us, leave us a review on iTunes when we're up there and let us know what you think of the show. So it's been a really good time and with it's, uh, it's getting pretty late. So I'm going to, I think, I think it's time to, to duck back to the gorilla position and call it a show. Sounds good. See ya. (laughs) Bye everybody.